we looked at like uh, Maisel Brothers films. We looked at Frederick Weissman movies together yeah. and the Verite. Hey. And we tried to create that feeling also with obviously Fat City and HUD. And, but we tried to keep a doc feeling with what we were doing. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Fisher Stevens' new drama, Palmer. The film tells the story of former high school football star Eddie Palmer, who has returned to his Louisiana hometown to rebuild his life after 12 years in prison. Eddie forms an unlikely bond with a neighbor from a troubled home, but his past threatens to ruin his new life. In addition to Palmer, Mr. Stevens' directorial credits include the feature films Stand Up Guys and Just a Kiss, the documentaries And We Go Green and Before the Flood, and episodes of the series Early Edition and the documentary series Dirty Money. Mr. Stevens spoke with director Kenneth Lonergan about filming Palmer in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Okay, Kenneth Lonergan here with Fisher Stevens, uh, director of Palmer and many other things. Hi, Fish. Hi, Kenny. Great to be with you. I wish we were together uh, in person uh, on a stage with a cigarette talking to each other and a yeah. glass of water. We could go back to even Johnny Carson days of a cigarette and a cocktail. That's right. Much, much more civilized. That's uh, right. So, so yeah, and, not, and to have seen the movie with a, with a nice audience instead of what we're doing. <laughs> but, but at least things are getting... People are seeing things and people's work is getting out there and we'll, we'll, we'll soldier through as best we can. So Fisher, so I think the most obvious question that for me right off the bat is like, so having directed so many documentaries and so many great documentaries, but, and before that and during that, having come from a film, television and stage background, there's not really a lot in uh, the movie, in movies, uh, in, in, in cinema that you're not really familiar with, but what, so what, what was surprising anyway to you about moving from like documentary into a feature uh, with a, you know, made up story? Well, yeah, I, I was trying to find something. I, I actually missed working with actors. Um, you know, I, I love all my subjects and I got to work with Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds uh, as a documentarian. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I really wanted to find something that I could sort of do low budget, you know, manageable and kind of take a bit what I learned from making all these documentaries and put it into a fiction film. So this script just felt like I could, I could manage it and, and handle it and um, also try to drop into a different world. Um, yeah. It just felt right and manageable, so to speak. So when you got, so was there anything that like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because a lot of the, there you could in some way see this being a documentary following this guy as he comes home yeah. uh, from his, from his stint in prison. Um, but, and, and it has a kind of a seventies cinema verite feel to it. The way, the way you filmed it and the way the performances are, are all very natural and low key. And, uh, and obviously it's a, it's a, part of the world that's that's you know it's small town America and uh so it seems like a not a huge stretch from it's not like you docked the outer space right away but right. Uh, but 
so, but I'm just curious because I've I've had so many. I've only done three movies. You've done many more movies than I have. But I I, I found each time there was something I was wasn't expecting that was a either a difficulty or a problem or 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 an obstacle or a challenge. Or, and each 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 of the three movies I made were like I was totally unexpected. Whatever was going to come in the way, and not not necessarily bad, but just unexpected. Is there anything that comes to mind for you in the making of this film? Either either the development of the script or pre anything at all. I'm just kind of curious. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say, well, first of all, when I read the script, I thought oh, I can make this for like a couple million bucks, right? Because it's like yeah. small town, America, rural, you could find. But, um, <laughs> you know, those those days are over uh, to make a movie for two or three million bucks. Uh, yeah. In what's anywhere, the budget of this, if, what, what, what's the, the budget of it? Yeah, it was, you know, we had under under five million cash, you right. know, it was under five. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I hope they're not upset for me to tell you, but yeah, I don't know um, why they get so upset about that. But yeah, I don't know. We had tax credits, so it was a little, we had more money to play with, but um, the I basically started scouting, um, in 2018. Uh, I thought I had cast somebody that was gonna that committed and we got you know kenny you know casting one yes. of the reasons one of the lousy things about fiction that we don't deal with in documentaries is in documentaries we could just go and shoot you know we don't need a yeah. cast um we had to cast a certain caliber of star to get even that you know, any budget like that yeah. so i went down and started scouting because i had an actor look good had a kid i loved in 2018 found some locations and um, the, the the guy who said he had the money didn't have the money. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you've been there before, but <laughs> it sounds familiar. Yeah, the money. I had half the money from a friend of mine, Daniel, who was going to put up half, but the other half was not was fake. So or it didn't happen. So yeah. I was depressed. I went and continued to shoot this documentary that I was making anyway. Um, and then uh, so that was unexpected. I stayed with it. I stayed with it. And then, you know, Justin Timberlake wasn't even on my list of yeah. actors. And because I had been working with DiCaprio, uh, Leonardo on a doc, his yeah. manager read it and suggested Justin. So that was unexpected. And then Justin was on a world tour. So I had to wait for him. But when I got, when he said yes, then the money fell into place. Um, but then the location that I had chosen was that the budget that we had and the location was completely bullshit. Yeah. But it wasn't right. It wasn't real. Yeah. So I had to move. I had to change states. Where did you start and where, what, 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 what's the actual location that you ended up the in? Script, the script yeah. was Alabama. Mm -hmm. So it was rural America. Alabama, there was, there was no crew that we had could find. So we found a little town outside Georgia, Savannah, right. but we couldn't, the, the budget skyrocketed. And anyway, we found this beautiful, these, we put four towns together and made it one town in uh, Louisiana near the Mississippi border. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah. So we, we were really lucky. Um, and I really wanted all authentic locations, real, like as real as possible. I hired my great friend, Happy Massey to production design who works on with me on a lot of stuff. He's wonderful. We really wanted to keep everything authentic. So there was like, it was all real, pretty much real places and yeah. the church. And we, we, I also tried like a documentary. I tried to incorporate the community. If it yeah. was a church, 
tried to I used all the the, the people the real church the parishioners yeah it looks like that. schools yeah so I tried to just bring the community in uh, as much as I could. Did you hire a lot of uh, or a lot of those actors local the smaller parts? Or? Yeah, well, we were we were about an hour outside of New Orleans, so they were all uh, pretty much uh, from Louisiana or right. from New Orleans. Um, yeah, Win actually Lucille, who plays Emily's mom, who's brilliant. Whenever she's from Atlanta, um, the three guys were all pretty much local. Jesse was from North Carolina, the right. sheriff. Um, but yeah, I we kept it really local. Um, the only one who wasn't were the you know like. Juno Temple is from actually from England and uh -huh. June Squibb came in from LA um, right. and Ryder and Justin and Craig Sheffer was actually the bartender, by the way. Oh, that's Craig. <laughs> I thought he looked familiar. One of my old oh. brothers, like my brother. Yeah. So, so Ryder is from LA. Ryder was from LA, but he had a Southern accent. Um, but that yeah. was a fake, that was fake. Um, really? He is such a gifted, uh, talented funny. actor that he, um, he uh, he worked very hard on the accent. He had an uh, acting coach who was from the South who helped him. And then Justin, who's from outside of Memphis, but Justin knew this Mississippi accent really well. Yeah. Justin and me and the coach, we constantly were working with the kid on his accent. But he's from L.A. Um, yeah. And it was his it was his first uh, first movie. He's he's really wonderful. And I was I was noticing particularly his accent was totally consistent. So I was pretty sure. He was, yeah, uh, it was, it was from the South. I know he was, he was a miracle, that kid. No, he's really, he's, he's wonderful. And I thought Justin was great. And he's, I really admire him because he's, he's, you know, he's been at, acting for quite a long time now. And I just think he gets better and better. And he's just got such a good, I've never worked with him, but I can see from the outside that his work ethic is so good because he really is serious. He's not a showboater. He's very emotional. He's contained. He's like, uh, yeah, just really respect him a lot. Um, and it's a really, it's a really, it's a terrific performance, I think. Um, yeah, did, he was uh, amazing to work with. So did you, does this is, I know you worked on the script beforehand uh, with the, with the screenwriter who I'm ashamed to say. My Cheryl, name. Cheryl Guerrero. Yeah. Whose movie, it, it should say by the screenwriter. I'm sorry to say that DGA, but it's, yeah, that's it's a nice, okay. It's a nice credit, but she, but uh, <laughs> But um, they have that in England. And Patty Chayefsky had it on Network. It's the only time I've ever seen it in an American movie. It says Network by Patty Chayefsky. Mm. But, but uh, I don't know how he got that, but he was Patty Chayefsky. He was Patty Chayefsky. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. so just talk about the script a little bit, like, and how you guys worked on it. And did you, was the script set when you were shooting? Did you do any improv? Did you just- Oh, yeah. You did, yeah. yeah. Can you just talk about that, that whole- Yeah. Part? The arc. So the script, first of all, um, I, I have a, I, I just want to say that my nephew, uh, Max, uh, when he was seven, was basically Sam. So he wore dresses, he played with dolls, he, um, all his friends were girls. Yeah. And my, my sister and her husband really encouraged him to be who he was. It was really moving. So when I read that script, I couldn't believe how authentic that was for me and that Cheryl had gotten it so brilliantly. Um, so Cheryl had shared with me openly that she was kind of the antithesis of Sam. She was a, she's, she's gay and she was a, uh, she knew it that at seven, not that she was gay, but she knew she was different and playing with trucks and, and no. anyway, so there was a real authenticity to that character. 
And the Palmer character was based on a friend of hers or a few people that she had met and put them together. But it was really important to, to both of us that it was authentic. So we worked for about a, a year and a half just on making as real as possible. Um, we, we took a trip together to the South to scout just before we were even in production, just to try to tweak the dialogue and make sure everything was real. There, there was like a, a couple other scenes that we cut out when we didn't think they were right or, or real. Yeah. Um, and then Justin um, had, had a few notes. So we, we made adjustments constantly um, because Kenny and Kenny, as you know, Kenny, I'll, I'll just say Kenny and I have known each other since uh, I knew we knew each other in high school, but we were in a theater company together. Kenny and I both, we both come from the theater. Um, I always knew that it was imperative that I rehearsed with yeah. the cast. So Justin and Ryder uh, came two weeks early on their own dime to Louisiana. And we then shaped, because all the other actors were local, we rehearsed quite a bit and shaped and retooled dialogue in that rehearsal process. Because um, there were things, anytime it felt fake or phony, we would bring it up yeah. and, and run it. So we were really lucky to get to do that. So when you did that, would you do like, I know like Scorsese does improvs, which she then writes down the results of, and then they people more or less stick to that. Um, is that, would you say it was in that line or just kind of finding a, a ballpark for the scene to sit in and then kind of let it loose when you're shooting? We, we changed some of it at, because of improv, especially with the three guys. Yeah. Uh, that Some of that was improvised. Um, oh, there was another thing. Uh, did you, you've heard of that movie, White Boy Rick? Yes. Uh, okay, so the real White Boy Rick, Rick Wersha, the, the guy that it was based on, um, he actually um, was about to get out of prison and I had met him through a friend on the phone. And so he also read the script and gave Cheryl and I a few notes about Justin's monologue when he talks about being in prison and yeah. all that. That was really helpful. Yeah. Uh, and we had Rick kind of riff on stuff and we put a bunch of his, his thoughts into that, which really helped. Um, we, so in that sense, it helped. And then yes, it rehearsal with the guys, I would say we came up with stuff. I'm very open to that. Um, you know, I don't like to, to talk shit about critics and I try not to read reviews, but uh, one of the reviews that I did happen to me and Cheryl were bitching about today was that uh, one really nice critic said, uh, pointed out that an eight-year-old would never talk like uh, has a line. There's a line when they're drinking the root beer float and yeah. it opens up with uh, how do you like it? And, and the, the kid says heaven in a cup. Yeah. And the writer of the review said, oh, no eight-year-old would say that line. That's ridiculous. It shows you Cheryl's like, well, that line was an improv by the kid. Yeah. When I said action, he just happened to say that. Like, and didn't even tell me. Yeah. Um, so the kid, Ryder, just came up with a, a few lines. Do you know they drink tea in England? Like, yeah. what? he just fucking said it. I'm like, I love this. It's, so, uh, it's really amazing what what even the friendliest critics don't know about what you're doing. And they always think you're trying to get away. If they're not, if they're mad at you at all, they, it's always like, oh, he thinks they think they're going to get away with this bullshit. Yeah. And you're like, I'm trying to fucking get away with anything. I'm just trying to do a good job. Yeah, we're just trying but, to make a movie, man. And they're always wrong. I mean, even when yeah. they like you, God for, you know, yeah. I hope punishes me for saying that. But it's just, it's such a different mindset when you're inside it and when you're outside of it. And 
Uh, yes. Not that everyone yes. doesn't love good reviews, but it's like, uh, it's just- I know. It's, it, you it's just have to get beyond it. Story doesn't surprise me at all. As a matter of fact, it supports a theory of mine, which is that when something is really um, important, it gets noticed one way or the other. And sometimes the way they notice it is negative, but they jump up, but it's something jumps out in like a nice line like that, that that's actually fresh and kind of surprising. Mm. That's gets the attention. And for the discerning audience like myself, you're like, wow, that's a really great line. But if oh, you're okay, good. Trouble, well, you're I'm like, gonna tell oh, Ryder. I can jump on that line. Good. I'm gonna tell Ryder that Kenny Lonergan liked his line. So that's you tell him that. Yeah, you tell him yeah. that. Um, yeah. And that scene is so nice. And I also really like the way their uh, relationship doesn't take a predictable course. I mean, you can see it warming up pretty quickly, but you can see that that the uh, it doesn't. There, there's just a lot of places it could have gone that it doesn't go uh, in terms of his uh, uh, Palmer's resistance to the kids, you know, mm. gender issues and the kids sort of security at home and with himself. And then also the, but then the chagrin at, at school when he's getting picked on and not racked by doubts of his own, but pushed into other people's doubts. And mm. there's just a really nice kind of fluid flow to that. And, and you don't, you, you never, I was not really concerned that it was going to go somewhere. It never for a minute seemed like it was going anywhere that I'd really been before that I expected it to go, which was really, really nice. Oh, that's good. You know, as a director, I, I did have this dilemma um, that I, I was, I mean, I, it wasn't a dilemma until a lot, the producers and Justin and, <clears throat> and people would go, what is the turning point where Palmer finally accepts Sam, right? That, that was a question as a director, everyone was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I, Cheryl and I had this discussion many times that there wasn't one moment, like that movie moment where cut to Palmer, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, looking at Sam, he accept, you know, we made a conscious effort to like, let it just be. And it's <laughs> your dog, it's cute. Yeah. Um, that's I think that's great because I'm always I, that's such a movie thing to expect. I mean, it's such a doggy go 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 over there. Okay, so I hope uh, it's no, such it's a, okay. It's such a movie thing like this and a new movie. I mean, it's just it's such a it's like checking a box. Like, where's the turning point? What's the big right. moment? And that moment is always a, almost always a disaster. You know, I feel like this is always it's a sentiment sentimentalization. I mean. I feel like most of the time when something shifts like that, that that big, you don't really notice it till later. Or, and, and like there is in the film, there's several moments that are leading up to it. It's just like sort of a sea change. It's not like a turning. It's not like yeah. a total bend in the road. Um, so I really- and, and Justin was really cool with that because he got it, you know, and everybody yeah. got it at the end. But that was a question. And, and also when I was trying to raise money, as you know, that that question what is the turning and i was like yeah. there isn't one it's the cumulative yeah them being together so you also get more out of it that way because you can see him like not you can see him not sure how much he should say he's like weighing it right. he's wrestling with it he's not like right. prejudiced and then he becomes liberated in his mind it's and and, it, and the movie doesn't present it that way at all and it also gives i think much more to play for both of them because he's like like in the store with the with the with the Halloween costume, and that like he he's he's seen a lot of girl stuff till then. He said something at the beginning, then he didn't say anything for a while. Now there's the Halloween. 
but that doesn't work either. So it's it's much more like, and I just think it's 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 such a. I mean, I it it's a shame because you want them. You you get these. It's a little bit like the critics. You get these comments and these expectations of what right. mark which are you hitting, and that's just because people are like trained to know where they are. But it's all it's all they're always like the they tend to. I maybe they were the strong point of the script. 20 years ago, but now I always feel that because it's like sucking the life out of it to make a screenplay moment that, you know, like, oh, here's the third act complication or whatever it is they say in those books. And, and it just drives me crazy because it's, it just cheats everybody. It cheats the audience. It cheats the, the, the act and the actors, especially because there's much less for them to do. Well, Uh, you don't want the audience, you don't want to tell the audience. I mean, I think a big challenge uh, also in raising the money for this movie was like, what kind of boy is Sam? Is he trans? Is he gay? And I'm like, he is a seven-year-old boy who, you know, is who he is, right? So it's like, you just try to let, don't judge these things. And as a filmmaker, you just want to like let, it's kind of like what we try to do in documentary is we just try to, show and not tell the audience how to feel with what you know if you're making an environmental film or whatever it is so i we tried to do that with this too which i think also made it difficult to raise money to be honest or because it's hard people because it's hard to identify before they've seen it i guess right right yeah that's a real that's such a continual continuing problem it's just uh, yeah and like it also i mean it also makes no sense on any level because suppose you said the right thing in the conversation. That doesn't mean it's in the movie. I, I always think those. It doesn't mean it's in are, the movie, right? It's right, right. It's like, like what, what, what words are you going to say in the meeting with the financier or the production company that about the script or movie that doesn't exist that's going to make them relax about the movie and script that doesn't exist that's not going to have that conversation in it anyway, right? But you know, well, I, mean? I got I got lucky. I found finally people that just got it. You know, so we, yeah. we got really lucky. Well, I guess Thank maybe God. maybe it's a self cleansing oven because it keeps you away from people who are going to give you a hard time when you're making the movie, right? Uh, when maybe. you're making it, yes, yes. But yeah, no, I'm always it's I that I I, I was in a meeting once and they were like. I was like, oh, the character's about 40. And they're like, don't you think it'd be better if he was 30? And I was like, no, he's about 40. And they were like, well, we think 30 is better. And I was like, okay, he's 30. The script was not written. So it didn't really matter what I said. And I should have just said, yeah, 30, man, much better. And then yeah. a year later when you're casting it, you know, not doing But Kenny, but Kenny, <laughs> along that point, I have to say, and you'll relate to this, um, to cast my, you know, Palmer, I needed somebody to play between 30 and 35, right? Yeah. So that's a very small window. Yeah. And, you know, you get the lists and half of them, you think, oh my God, I would love to work with them. They're never going to work with me on this budget. And then half of them are like, I don't know, this guy is not great. So it was so difficult to, to be able to cast on a, you know, a movie where you're paying somebody very little. Yep. and find that actor you know and um it, that's that's the problem with features versus docs where i can yeah. just get the camera and go but um yeah. no it's it's really difficult and it's and and i mean i always think like i mean just to stick on the stay on the age issue sometimes it, 
to me, it's like what whoever plays the correct age is who you want, whether they're in real life a few years older and younger, obviously yes. doesn't matter. Yeah. But yes. like some age, like if he was older, if he was an older ex-con, that's a different story. Like movie. In this, yeah, and if he's younger, that's different too. So exactly. I think it, I, I think that completely goes. I mean, I think that really makes a lot of sense depending on the story, but like his grandmother could have been 10, 15 years younger, yeah. I think, or, or somewhat older, but not too old to be not moving. You know, she, it, it's true, but it's, there's, there's room for breathing sometimes. And then, yeah, it's really tricky with those lists. Yes. Those lists are, they're, they're everything. You and know? then you, if, then if there's nobody who's like what you had in your head, then you do have to stretch your just yes and yeah. which is never often not that bad but then they then people start making suggestions that are really just not yes. i mean i i yeah i didn't think of justin like i said and it was just he was great in yeah. so many ways you know um but i had a remember i had a seven-year-old and then i had a 90 year old because june yeah. squibb turned 90 while we were wow. filming wow. so that was like that was amazing she's <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love her Oh, I love, I love her, man. I hope, I'm, I hope we're doing that at 90 now. Yeah. She me was too. incredible. She was know. incredible. So, you know, um, but you know, a little shout out, uh, one, one thing that really helped me, Kenny, and, uh, I'm going to give your wife a little shout out that, that I'm working with Jay on succession and having the experience of that show and that ensemble, right. And I, I literally went from shooting that to going into uh, Palmer. Yeah. And there's, there was something that reminded me of our theater company, Naked Angels also, yeah. of this kind of ensemble and succession is that this kind of ensemble show where everybody is so, uh, it, it just feels like a theater company. Yeah. And, and the one thing that Justin and I tried to do, and him as the leader, the lead, is we tried to bring that into this and yeah. make everybody really feel like we're, we're a company and a company of actors uh, performing. And I think that really helped me. And coming from, you know, working on that show just reminded me of like what it could be like. Yeah, um, no, I think that's, I think, it, I think it pays off and it shows because like, I don't know why it's so elusive. Like some movies that like really, you really get a feeling of the town or the city or the neighborhood and some, good or bad you don't you really just don't like like a move like the last some you know really well-known example like the last picture show for instance like that town is like you really get what the town is you get where everything is you get everybody totally. um and i i think this movie really creates a town out of four other towns um, great and and the great. people in it really I, i'm not surprised at all to hear you say that because it doesn't feel like people are dropped in you feel like they're around and you feel like they're kind of around in the way they would be around with that kind of a population um and they know it's some the, the the amount each other uh, like i it's nice in the bar when the when the friend who's the sheriff who the son of the sheriff comes up to him and just the right. different those subtle dynamics he's first he comes up you're a little nervous and then they hug so they're friends oh, good. then there's but then there's a then there's a lingering nervousness because he's their friends but he's still the son of the sheriff so that's not you can see that group doesn't really hang out together all the time the same way right. they when they were young and that's just like i think all that just enriches the movie so much because like it's not just like his story her story his story and his story dropped into a background 
Like it's really like a, it feels like an organic place with, with people who have real like relationships or lack thereof. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. You saw that. Cause we definitely worked on that. Yeah. yeah when I, think, when I, was doing. I was thinking, but you know, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I watched, uh, I mean, and, and maybe, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I watched last picture show like three times I watched, yeah. you know, seventies, you know, uh, I, I really got into that whole kind of vibe yeah. of HUD and Cool Hand Luke and, and uh, Fat City from the, you know, the yeah. John Hughes. I was just kind of obsessed with those movies. And those directors use also real people from the real towns. Yeah. And I just love that kind of stuff. And uh, Me too. And I just think it's it's such a good guide. I mean, not that people shouldn't do new things and different things, but I feel like just it's it's you feel the lack of story points and hi highlighted moments that are like pins in the map that we're that are helping us follow the story which we don't need and to me mm. are always, always just dead in it and i think like i was thinking of that actually i was thinking about uh i was trying to get casey affleck to watch blue collar have you, have you ever seen that movie yeah yafet koto yeah. and uh, and, uh richard pryor and richard Keitel. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's not a, I wouldn't say it was a great movie, but it's a really good movie. And Casey finally watched and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good. He, he turned off on it for the first five minutes. And then I, then I, then he pushed through and he was like, Oh no, it's really good. And, and, and he, I was just thinking, and I said, yeah, I think even when things aren't working out so well in those seventies movies, the template is better because it's, it's like, it's just allows for a certain richness. That's not like right on the mark of what this, story points and the not just the not just the plot but the emotional plot like here he is he's out of prison he's bitter then he meets a kid and he's like he hates him then he starts then he and he thinks right. he shouldn't be a you know it doesn't it, it has a much more of a natural of a real flow and, and just is so much richer for it i think and uh they did that just kind of 70s movies the ones that aren't so great have their own problems but they're not they're not those kinds of yeah problems. Well, yeah. And also in today's world, you know, when I started acting in movies, we would be on location in towns and it would be like the movies here. These people are shooting a movie. And, yeah. and now <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, no, man. Everybody, every town in America has had a movie set on it, you know, yeah. pretty much, uh, yeah. you know, uh, we I mean, we did one or two of our towns that were rural enough, but it, it's tough, you know, and and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was not, it, it was not what I expected, even up there by Mississippi. So you've uh, done, your documentaries have, are covered a wide variety of subjects and a wide variety of places in the world. So I'm just kind of curious, like how, if, if, can you talk about like the differences or, or not just the differences, but just talk about, uh, and thinking of cinematography and, cam and the camera and what you're doing with mm -hmm. that to, to capture the story, like, like, how do you find just the different colors in um, making a, a feature, uh, fictional feature and, and like capturing the environment in, in a dock. Yeah, that's, it's funny. Um, I mean, do you feel frustrated that you couldn't just oh, like, just point your camp, like you had to choose what you're gonna do. Did that yeah. make you feel a little like stifled at all or how did you find yeah, it? Yeah, at times, at times for sure it did. And um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would have been a lot easier if, if I could have just pointed the camera and let them just talk and 
just go you guys go anywhere we'll light and you just and we oh. just follow you you know i mean just go um so th the thing was that actually my dp uh who i love tobias schleisler um i i met him uh shooting a documentary in hong kong on electric car racing he shot for me for a few days and i just thought here was a guy who's like done beauty and the beast dream girls all the people you know and and he put the camera on his shoulder and i was like dude you need to do this again so i called him when i was doing this movie and he goes fisher i have lighting budgets bigger than the whole budget of this movie but i will do it we will do it because he had a break you know I, I i got a i got him on a window yeah. And it was incredible. He got so excited. Um, but we looked at like uh, Maisel Brothers films. We looked at Frederick Weissman movies together yeah. and the Verite. And we tried to create that feeling also with obviously Fat City and HUD. And, but we tried to keep a doc feeling with what we were doing. Um, yeah. And uh I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I wish I had more time to film. The, the one thing about docs, Kenny, is that you get, a, you know, you can shoot, you can work on them for two or three years. Yeah. You know? This was like 25 days. Yeah. Kid only worked six hours a day. The, yeah. the restraint was crazy. So we were shooting a lot of handle. We couldn't lay track a lot. Yeah. We didn't have time. Yeah, we, just, yeah. We, we didn't have time. But um, did you do shot lists beforehand? Did you get to the set and figure out what to do there? How did you approach it? Just uh, I shot listed. Yeah, we we shot listed. Uh, well, we did two shot lists. We did me and Tobias shot listed everything in prep, mm -hmm. and then um, I would redo it the night before. Or we'd make certain adjustments. Um, the problem was that Timberlake and I also. I would often rehearse with him after work. So it was a lot. I, I mean, I don't think I slept that entire, uh, that I didn't sleep at all because I was shot listing with Tobias. I was rehearsing with Justin. Um, we, we mixed, you know, obviously we let the, some of the shot listing didn't work. You know, when we got there, we, we yeah. changed around. I storyboarded um, uh, three sequences only. Uh, I storyboarded the the two fight scenes, the fight in the bar. Right. I storyboarded the the fight in the trailer, that little trailer. Right. Um, Dean Winters, by the way, the Allstate guy, Mr. Mayhem, who plays uh, uh, Juno Temple's scumbag boyfriend Jerry. Yeah. Um, who is a friend of mine was doing me a favor by playing this small role, who I loved. Um, basically, called me a week before he was supposed to shoot, uh, and had dislocated his shoulder and had stitches here. He'd fallen on Halloween uh, and showed up. And, and, and so we had to think about, well, dude, we, we had this big fight. So we had to get a stunt man. I mean, that was like a whole other unexpected nightmare. Um, Cause he was literally like in a cast until we go rolling and he'd take the cast off and he'd be like this. Um, so I storyboarded that. And then that whole ending scene with Sam, you know, running for Palmer, that whole night scene basically yeah. um, was very, very, very storyboarded because we had to shoot it in one night and we only had the, the kid for like three hours. So it was, yeah. that was that was nervy. It's a beautiful shot the, in the car. Thanks. Really. Yeah. Very painful. Yeah, um, that was crazy. Yeah.
Yeah, it's it's just you wish you had more time always, I guess. And I think that's true even for these huge movies. But I wouldn't right. know. I wouldn't know what is the biggest um, what is the biggest or the most days you've had to shoot a movie? I mean, Margaret was very long. So you must have had a lot of days for that. Margaret, that was it was Margaret. It was we had 50. It was ended up being 52 days, which isn't bad. Uh, but, but the movie was quite long. The script was 170 right. pages or 168 pages. And a right. lot of dialogue, but that that felt comfortable. Pretty, you know, it wasn't wasn't, and it was five days a week. It wasn't murder. It was not, you know, it wasn't leisurely. But I re I remember there was just one day pretty early on in the shoot where we were up at the Upper West Side, which is my neighborhood where I grew up. So I was very comfortable up there. And we were we'd done like it was Anna Paquin walking to school or something, which I really I really liked because we had a nice slow motion shot. Anyway. And we got up there and we did that and. And a couple of people who I knew walked by as they always would when I was shooting in that neighborhood, like my parents, friends or something. And we were done and we done finished with that sequence at three o'clock. And then we had another entire sequence up at the, uh, the, what was supposed to be the interior of Manhattan Theater Club. And at three o'clock, I was like, if this was the end of my day, this would just be great. Like did a really good day's work. We got nice stuff. It's three o'clock. I was up at six. I'm ready to go home. This would be fantastic. And then I went home at you know eight that night. But uh, it was it was fifty days was was fine. And then we had two days, two days or four days tacked on, uh, which we we picked up uh, at the end. I think I can't remember. You know, two or four days. I can't remember. So that was comfortable. But um, twenty eight days on the other film and thirty days in the other the right brutal tough yeah i took uh on a saturday i asked justin uh and i i asked the dp so just justin me the dp and a and a loader camera loader uh we we snuck out and took uh took out his car uh and we just filmed like a doc that was like a doc we just we just filmed justin driving because we, yeah. we needed it for connective yeah. tissue that stuff's really important. It always feels better and freer. I mean, I, we did the same thing with Casey in Manchester by the sea. He, we had a day of just him driving around and we had a day and then the, we had a second unit, believe it or not, on such a small movie. And they took a mm. lot of a lot of those really nice shots of Gloucester and Manchester and Cape Ann were done like, yeah. and I told them what I wanted uh, more or less. And they went out and they shot all this beautiful stuff. But uh that's so liberating when you do that and you're just like, oh, that felt amazing. And the, all the football footage, you know, there's the scene in the high school football. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That was, that was a, like, game, that was like a doc. Yeah. And that was a oh. real game, local game, I assume. Or did you know you that that whole football game was that's a lot of extras in football costumes. Well, well, what, what it was, was it was the, I, the coach, coach Dizer, we got to be tight, me and the coach. Yeah. So I, I asked him to choreograph. That was one team playing the, the defense in one color jersey against the offense in another color jersey. So they, they, they had designed plays. Um, again, man, we had, I mean, I had the boy. I had to shoot that whole scene. That was, we almost ran out of time. Actually, the producer, the line producer, like, I'll never forget. We're shooting. I'm, like, down on the field doing the one thing as they're lighting and it was getting late and he comes up he goes what is going on we are never going to make this day what are you i mean i'm like dude well he freaked everybody out he's yeah, basically cost us about 10 minutes to have oh, yeah. a tantrum That's um cool. i know it was the line it wasn't my producers it was my line producer was like freaking out about the kid the hours yeah um that was the only stressful one of the only stressful but 
the football game was like filming a documentary and I loved it. We had so much fun and, you know, that uh, was crazy. I wonder if anybody really feels like they free and have time. Like you hear, I, you hear about Stanley Kubrick and how he set this up and it didn't look right. So he did it again. And then he's got, he's got Ryan O'Neill and Marissa Berenson and makeup and costumes for a year before he starts shooting the movie. And then oh, even read about Howard Hawks and he just gets there and he doesn't like the scene. So they make up another scene and you're just like, where's the horrible, brutal, suppressive pressure in these situations. And I just- I remember, I remember I, I did this movie as an actor, only you, Norman Jewison directing who, you know, yeah. He was a legend at the time, right? Yeah. And every day I got to the set, I was like, okay, we got no time. I got no, there's no trailer. There's like, you get, it's all the storyboard. You're just like this. Yeah. And I remember like Norman calling me into his trailer one morning before shooting in Positano, Italy, by the way. He's drinking his espresso. He's got all the papers lined up on his trailer, in his trailer. He's having a beautiful breakfast. His assistant is bringing him fresh squeezed orange juice. And he's telling me all about, you know, what's going on in America, what's going And we're having this leisurely chat. And I, I was just like, and then, well, you know, we shoot a two page day, a page and a half day. I mean, those days, forget it, man. Like, what? That's, that's never happened anymore right now, no. That's not, I mean, I, when I see it, when I go into a theater, I feel kind of warm and comfortable and at home. And much as I, and I love, I see many more movies than I see plays. So it's not that. But then I, when I walk down a street and I see a movie set, I'm just gripped with fear. I'm like I was watching a movie the other night and in the movie, there was a movie, it was a, I didn't finish. This was a movie, it was called Stunts. It was a Robert Foster 70s murder mystery about stuntmen who are right. killed off on the set. Not a great picture, but I swear to God, I was like watching the movie and, and the, main, the guy who's about to be murdered is driving to work on a highway and he's driving, driving, driving. And then he gets to, and there's a movie, there's like movie trailers and camera and crews set up. And I just, my, <laughs> just get this weird cold sweats because it just, I just associate the actual shoot with like this incredible tension and, and pressure. Uh, and I would really oh, like yeah. I know it's so nice. I know we have to wrap up, but I just want to say it's so nice when I, you know, I love directing so much, but I have to say walking on a set as an actor and not having to deal with like that pressure today. Yeah. I mean, I, I know learning the lines is, but, but it was it, yeah. it's so nice not to have to worry about making the day. Yeah. You know? for sure. uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think, I think we were supposed to wrap it up. Yeah. I think um, they yeah, we got. I think that's fifty minutes. That's pretty good. Well, Fisher, congratulations on the movie. It's wonderful. It's great to still be talking to you after thirty Kenny, years. Kenny, no, we met in high school, dude. Or Walden, Jared Side, Raphael Spards, Walden. Remember, forty years. Yeah. Oh wait, I and I would remember Suffering Colonel, bro. Your, yeah, yeah. Your, was yeah. that was your first play, right? No, no, full no, length. no. Full no. It was the first full-length play. I think it was the first full-length play I had produced. Produce not, not in high school or 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 right out of great but still maybe yeah. we should re we should relook at that Kenny yeah, suffering Colonel <laughs> suffering. I just want to shout out to the DGA members of yeah. Succession because I said I would Nicole Nick Joe everybody Christo anyway all right man Kenny, thank right. you thank you so much my pleasure thank you DGA thank you DGA. Kenny, can't wait to hang when this is madness is over.
Yeah, that would be really nice. All right, buddy. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from George C. Wolfe, Paul Greengrass, and Andrew Heckler. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.